listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Arizona, and perhaps the play of the year, gets the late victory. But even with that miracle, most Arizona batters lost when they chose not to kick the extra point. Seattle loses, and the Russell Wilson fan club is upset. Still, though, Russell tied for the MVP. Patrick Mahomes surges up to be tied with him from his couch. Monday night football, steam and more steam as much as any Monday night game this season. Minnesota's been bat heavy up through and past three to three and a half. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. Winner, winner, chicken dinner! This is straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Monday, the day we call the aftermath. Live from Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. In the house, Steve Fezzik, professional batter. How'd your seven picks do, Steve? One and six. <laughs> Cleveland and Arizona ah! inclusive. <laughs> now, I'm the head of our Super Contest team, undefeated. How does that happen? How, how can R.J. Bell pull an undefeated day off of an for pretty much from Fez? Well... The, val- the value of the point spreads, <laughs> two of our picks were identical. I went 0-2, and you went 1-0-1 with the good numbers. Well, I would never have played at those other numbers. There you go. I mean, that's the difference. I, you're never, I don't know if you know this. You're not forced to play any game. <laughs> you do realize that, right? Two! How often does a game land to Arizona? I mean, i, I got to be honest. i just got to say it. I mean, just to lead the show. And yeah. RJ, we trust you. What's up? Money. Throwing them, baby. Here we go. Tuition paid. Learn your lesson, Fez. You don't play bad numbers. Why did you play those numbers? Because we all week long, I talked about how I liked Cleveland as my favorite play. I'm confused. So you didn't like Cleveland as your favorite play when you gave it out? No, I did. Then what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? You're in fantasy world now, right? You're going back and making excuses. You let you let me ask you a question. Friday when you gave your best bet, did someone say, you know, you better pick Cleveland? Did anyone no. say that? Nope. Not even on Twitter where they'll say anything crazy. <laughs> nope. Right? 
You picked it. You know why? You don't. When the hubbub is happening, when the whirl from the crowd, the noise, all that noise, you're like, huh, three, two and a half, two, whatever. Uh, no, it's always about the numbers. Jonas, when, one day when you're talking about this show, you can say, when Fez hardly won a game, RJ took his pick and hardly lost the game. That's not the Vegas lead, but maybe it should be. Jonas yeah. Knox in L.A. And always good to be here, RJ. And on a day in which clearly we get salty Steve for the next hour here on Fox Sports Radio. And we've got Monday Night Football from the Windy City coming up later on. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Yeah, we got a great preview on Monday Night Football coming up because you helped us on this innovation about Cousins. And it really is strong for Monday night. But we start, and I'm going to do this partially because it was a close call for Fez. He was right as rain on that Rams-Seattle. And I do believe the Russell Wilson story and the Rams story is our lead. Yeah, and the Seattle Seahawks find themselves on the wrong side of another game again, this time to the L.A. Rams. 23-16 the final from Los Angeles yesterday. Okay, Fez, so you like the Rams here. What was your analysis succinctly and how did the game play rams energy advantage rams had already gone to the east coast four times they finally had a bye so they weren't carrying that fatigue they carried all year long so you're saying in a way they had a disadvantage throughout the season with all that travel and it was finally removed and thus we saw the truth of the rams yes and seattle had the travel disadvantage third road game the last four weeks okay so I agree with that, but I, I think there's one takeaway here that's the most important takeaway from the entire show, the entire week, and that is the Rams' defense has been the best in the NFL in the last month, and it hasn't even been close. Has not even been close. So if we look at it on an expected points added basis, and we say, who's the best potential defenses? The Rams are the only defense that are good at both defending the run and defending the pass. And it's not even close. So here's the teams that do well against the pass. Miami has. They've been really good. Philadelphia has. And the Steelers have. But none of those teams, in fact, every one of them, Miami, Philly, Pittsburgh, are all in the last month below average against the run. Now, you could say the Steelers are a little skewed because they played the Ravens in the last month and the Ravens got, but hey, that's, that was the point in a way, right? Against a good running team, Pittsburgh had some trouble against, but the Rams, they're good against both. Now, on the flip side, the only team that's really been great against the rush other than the Rams has been the Saints. Saints are great against the rush, but they're actually average against the pass. The Rams in the entire NFL in the last week, or check that, the last month, the last four weeks, the Rams are number one against the pass and number one defending the run. Number one mm. and number one. Don't let that confuse you. Jared Goff has not played well. In fact, Jared Goff up until this game had played really poorly in the last month or so. How would you characterize the Rams 
or quarterback play Jared Goff? I thought Goff had wide open receivers, so he put up big oh, numbers. Oh, this is Fez the Scout now. We should get <laughs> yeah. theme music for this, but go ahead. Well, he threw for 300, and it looked impressive. Oh, well, but he listen, had, yeah, let's yeah. not go crazy with what you throw for. It's all about how many times you throw. I mean, listen, Kirk Cut or um, Alex Smith last week threw for over 300. But you didn't give him a good grade, did you? No. All right, so go ahead. So QBR was only 52. He was 27 for 37. So he was so below average. He was below Against average. Against a Seattle defense that is bad? Right or wrong? Right. They've given up 23 points to every opponent all year long. How many did the Rams get? Oh, just 23. So you could make the case. Now, this is a little too blunt. It's a little too simple, but there's some truth to it. You could make the case that the Rams played the worst offensive game against Seattle than any team that played Seattle did. Yes. If you just looked at the point. So on one hand, we're going to say, Rams, they are right there in the NFC West. Well, Seattle is a small favorite right now, plus 170. Rams are plus 175, so right there, Cardinals plus 190. A lot of parity. Three teams just right there in a competitive division, the most competitive. But the Rams, offense, bad. Not okay, bad. And they lost their left tackle, Whitworth. That is going to be humongous because the one thing the Rams have done well is the O-line's played well. So, to me... The story going forward is you want to look at the Rams under because the offense ain't good and the defense is the best. Jonas Knox in L.A., what was your main takeaway from the game? Um, I look at the Rams, and it's interesting because Sean McVay is lauded as this offensive-minded head coach, this brilliant head coach. But the secret to the Rams' success since they've been really good with McVay there has always been if they play really good defense and they run the ball. They're not this flashy team that I think some people would assume that they are. So if they get this kind of defense, they're going to be in a lot of games. Now it's just whether or not you trust Jared Goff to not make a mistake that's going to cost him like he did against the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. Hey. I, th- I hear you, but I think there's a big difference, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, between, the let's say the defense has been good in general for the Rams last couple years, being a 10th-ranked offense and a real good defense means you're a Super Bowl favorite, one yeah. of the favorites. If you have a 22nd-ranked offense and the same defense, you're a favorite to maybe make the playoffs, but you know, you're know you one of those one-and-done or maybe win one, like a Minnesota last year. That's the difference. I think this Rams D is as good, if not better, than they've been the last couple years. I think this offense is the worst. Without Whitworth and considering Jared Goff, early this year he played pretty well. If you look at the PFF grades, he averaged a 77 the first six, seven weeks of the year. That's pretty good. He was about 12th by PFF. Now he's been last. The worst quarterback in the NFL the last three weeks, Jared Goff. In fact, Seattle held him to the 52 QBR that Fez talked about, that's the lowest any quarterback has gotten. So the worst, the least number of points scored by any Seattle opponent this year, the Rams, and the worst quarterback play, any Seattle opponent, the Rams and Goff. Jonas, you're right. If they can get to be even an average offense, it's a Super Bowl contender. Without agreed. it, I don't think they are. Yeah, agreed. And you would, and looking at this offense, they've completely taken a step back from where they were. And I don't know if it's just Sean McVay not making adjustments. I've heard that thrown around, that he waits too long to make adjustments like he did against Miami. Uh, it just it feels like 
offensively, they're just not in sync. And I don't know if that they're having an identity issue, what they want to be. Do they want to run the ball or try and build Jared Goff's confidence? But they've clearly taken a step back since a couple of years ago. And to some degree, it's hard to blame them for... Now, were they able to see that Gurley had a you know potential degenerative problem where he wasn't going to be able to stay healthy enough to be really good? Maybe they should have. I do blame them. They gave him that contract two years early. They didn't have to. But that's the thing. When you try to make it where you're player-friendly, sometimes it hurts, right? So I don't know if it helps them with signings. Maybe they wouldn't have Ramsey if it wasn't for that. I don't know if it's worth I know Ramsey did amazingly well shutting down a key receiver for Seattle. you got to give him credit for that. But the Whitworth thing, we don't know what that's going to mean because he was hurt during this game. Do you remember what point of the game it was, Fess? I do not. I don't either. So I'm going to look into that. But my thought is the O-line was the one thing the Rams were doing well. He was the most valuable player on that O-line, Whitworth. I think it's going to be humongous. Humongous. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Seattle. On one hand, we can say Russell Wilson had a bad game. Some people said worst game they've seen from him. Uh, I know the apologists are saying... Well, when you have him try to do everything, sometimes he does too much. It's like, okay, but it's like, how many games in a row are we going to hear this? This was a close game. He didn't have to do, you know, he did what he did, and they still only lost by, you know, what, seven or whatever. So it's not like, how much more did he have to do? Maybe just one less interception? Who knows? Jonas, I mean, just as a fan, and you know at FSR we got some of the apologists for Russell. Yeah. What was your takeaway? I look, I love Russell Wilson as much as the next guy, but well, not quite gotta, as much. Almost well, as much. True, almost as much. But you gotta call it what it is. Everybody was clamoring for them to quote unquote let Russ cook. All right, well, you're turning the keys over to him and you're letting him cook, and he's throwing, what, seven picks in four games or three games, whatever it was the number was. Um, I just think for a team that was so dependent on the run the past couple of years, they don't feel, and I know they had injuries at running back, but it's showing that you need to have more than just a quarterback who's going to sling it around because they've been exposed in the last month and they do not look, I don't even know at this point if I like them to win the division. I think I would probably bet on the Rams just based on their defense. Mm, that's interesting. Boy, you got if Arizona was more of a long shot, but they're playing well, but obviously yeah. lucky to just win the game. Fez, closing thoughts on this game. Yeah, one more thought on that Rams defense that's been so dominant. They gave up 28 points to Miami. That doesn't look good. But remember, two return touchdowns and the other two drives, one yard and 33 yards. It wasn't the defense that gave up any of those points. Exactly. So you think about it. Strength of schedule. Seattle is as good as any offense in the NFL. So they play them and do well. They play a Miami team that hasn't been great on offense, but the score looks very deceiving. When you get down at the per-play level, the story of the weekend is the Rams have the best defense in the NFL. Quite frankly, I haven't heard that stated in the national media, but that's why you listen here. Sports betters for the money, sports fans, and no more than their buddies. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, the New England Patriots have now won two in a row. It was in the rain, in the wind, but they get it done against the Baltimore Ravens. 23-17 the final last night at Foxborough. Yeah, speaking of that undefeated kind of situation, Matt Holt didn't even send his updated plays to me. He was Now, I give him credit. He had his, his son in from back east. They were fishing, forgot to send him. So, Feds gives me a one for six. Matty Holt says, nah, I don't even have anything. 
and somehow I'm just home grinding. Yeah, I hope the movie represents it like this. I really do. <laughs> Bill Belichick, I believe there's a flip other side of the coin, a flip side to the Patriots and Seattle. What is the Seattle narrative right now? And I think rightfully so. It's Russell Wilson's elite. Like Tom Brady was elite. And I'm not saying he's not now, but certainly was elite with the Patriots. Okay. Seattle's been consistently competitive for, you know, since Russell Wilson's been there. Patriots during that entire Brady span, more than competitive. But what was the argument? What was the narrative about how Belichick had somehow messed up? Right? The same people who probably were judging Bobby Fisher's openings against Spassky were deciding, well, I wonder if maybe Belichick should have done this. Hmm, okay. Whenever you start down that road, you've made a mistake. Right? There's something you don't understand. You're missing something. But okay. It was, they should have gave Brady more playmakers. Yeah, like they're grown on trees. Remember, what did Belichick always take flyers at? Playmakers. Oh, Randy Moss, that one worked out, right? But also Josh Gordon, that one didn't. Antonio Brown, that one did. But it was like he knew he more playmakers would help. But you know what else he knew? That the NFL is built for parity. It's built for parity. Arizona had the number one pick. What? How many? What, Twenty months ago, whatever it's been. And now they're almost even, you know, even odds relative to the other favorites are right there, co-favorites, to win the most competitive division in the NFL. And the team that made the Super Bowl last year, the 49ers, is the only team in that division out of it. That's how much the NFL is built for parity. Within 20 months, the 49ers went from a five-win team or whatever they were to a Super Bowl team, (laughs) to a worst team in the division. All, you know, literally you could have said, I'm taking about a year and change off the NFL. You would have missed the whole cycle. You just see the 49ers aren't very good, right? It's that much. But you know what hasn't changed? The Patriots. Now, they have now. You can make the case, right? Now they're going to go for eight wins, nine wins. Lucky probably won't get ten, right? They're going for nine. Maybe slip in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But during that Brady run is what Belichick understood was, I got a finite amount of money. Everyone has this pretty much the same. Now, different people will push the cap more than others and defer it, but still, it's about the same. And the way to get players cheap, there's one way, drafting them. And, oh, by the way, we're drafting number 30, 31, 32 every year. And everybody else pretty much is ahead of us. And you know what happens? A team's good for three or four years. The best teams are good for three or four years. And then, if they have an elite quarterback like Green Bay, they'll stay competent. Aaron Rodgers, in his prime, is always going to keep a team competent. Drew Brees is always going to keep a team competent. Seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Green Bay did a little better than that. But they're not going to be in the Super Bowl conversation. There's one team that's been in the Super Bowl conversation for even more than five years. It's been the Patriots. Now, the Steelers have had cycles of that with Big Ben, but every year they haven't been in that real conversation. They haven't made the playoffs a lot of years. They were the best eight-win team ever, probably, at different points, but they didn't make it. How did Belichick do that? It's by saying, Brady's good enough that if I spend my money on defense, we'll be good at offense and good at defense. 
And if we get lucky with a Randy Moss or another hit, a rookie or something, we could be great on both sides of the ball. But I don't have a Brady on defense, so I got to spend the money over there and let him compensate with his greatness. And thus, nine Super Bowl appearances. So for all the people that still in the back of their minds are thinking, maybe I should assess and judge and critique Bill Belichick, that's probably the greatest sign of idiocy, is if you think you know more football than Belichick, you don't. He is another level. And last night we saw it again. How bad were this slow Patriots team get beat against Lamar and the new age and Harbaugh might be as good? as No, he's not. You give Belichick a second crack at it. Now, if it wasn't raining like this, you know, like it was, maybe it'd be harder for the Pats to win. I think anytime you throw a different variable into the mix, like that rain, Belichick's history is going to tell him what to do more than most. Exactly. And we saw that with Cam Newton. After He's like, oh, we practice all the time with wet balls. It was no big deal. And it really wasn't for the Patriots. Contrast that with Baltimore. In the second half, they had not one, but two snaps in the rain that went past the receiver. 11 and 16-yard sacks killed two drives. That killed Baltimore. They clearly weren't able to handle those conditions. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas going to Jonas Knox in L.A. Jonas, from the fans' perspective, what was your main take? Takeaway Sunday Night Football. Um, I was going into that game. I was surprised. I'd never seen Belichick, from what, what I can remember, be a seven-point underdog at home. I don't know that that, that I've ever seen that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, you're right. And and so when I'm watching the game, it just looked like New England beat Baltimore. Baltimore's game. They just and and they added a couple of there were a couple of difference maker plays. Obviously, um, the the touchdown pass from Jacoby Myers, and then you had the rain late, which really picked up on the final drive. Uh, which completely ruined any chance of Baltimore getting into that game. But it's it's Belichick. There's these one or two moments in close games where he just seems to figure out a way to get a guy to make a play or have a guy in the right spot, a la Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. And so when I see close games, I always just assume advantage Belichick because he's done the research and he's figured out how to win these close games. Jacoby Myers, undrafted free agent, has become the top wide receiver for the Patriots. And guess what? He's a high school quarterback. Not a surprise. He's the type of player that Belichick loves because of the diversity, the ability to do things like he did throwing a touchdown pass last night. And we're seeing this so much more. Is I keep talking about multiple. If a team is multiple, they can do more than one thing. Because one of the things that these running backs struggle with is when they come into the game, you know if it's a it's a signifier of a runner pass because certain like the small backs, the scat back types, they do like a met half back in the day, whatever. They do really well on third and twelve because you know you're going to pass anyway. So bringing them in doesn't really uh, clue the other team in too much. But on first down or second down, it does. Mm-hmm. That's why a back like that, and Kansas City's got one that if he's physically strong enough and they can actually run the ball with him, then it, you don't have that hindrance. That, that You're multiple even when they're in the game. Le'Veon Bell, for example, a bigger back, was able to run and pass, and that's their back. McCaffrey's like that, and Zeke isn't. Zeke's not a catcher of the ball, all that. Howard's better, I think, the backup. Well, he, a lot of people are saying there's, there's been more uh, you know, uh, spring in the step of Pollard. And again, Zeke did go to Cancun, Jonas, so we just don't know <laughs> if that took out of him. It, but 
Well, no, I was going to say, and to Fez's point, when Pollard gets in the game, it's just a completely different burst. It just feels like there's more explosion. It feels like there's something more there. You can't deny that Zeke looks much slower than he did at least a couple of years ago, in my mind. No doubt. And here's the thing. Every bag does when they get towards 27. I mean, we could say, um, <laughs> we, we could say that there's the rarest of the rare cases, like Gore, that is still running at his age, or Peterson, who is a freak of nature. And not that he's looking all that good, but he's still 10 years past when he's supposed to be done. Right. And he's still playing, let's say, at a competent level. But otherwise, who's the 30-year-old good running back? Forget 35, 30. Who's the good back at 30? This is a young man's game, and I do believe, and I'm not one to always be player-friendly or, or owner-friendly, they got to do something. Well, they're not going to because this agreement's like 10 more years. Maybe they can change it. You got to give running backs that are designated as running backs less time. Maybe it's only four. There is no fifth year option, even if it's a first round pick. Whatever it is, you can't make it where the back, right when he's starting to drop off, is the first time that he gets paid. Big money. And I get it. It's still good money anyway. But if you become the best at the world at something that's a billion-dollar business, your family should be secure and your kids should be secure. And if you only have one contract in the NFL, it's, I mean, you're borderline that, especially with the agents and the taxes. So, again, I'm not a, oh, the players should get it all. But I think running backs who take the most punishment get the bum end of the stick. RJ Bo straight out of Vegas. Okay. So, we looked at the genius of Belichick. We see how Seattle's the example of how hard it is to keep two sides of the ball viable. They're not viable, Seattle, on defense yet. We'll see how they evolve. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Yes. So, Fez, you crazily bet me. You said, Antonio Brown, he's okay, maybe. But there's a guy that few of you have ever heard of that will have more catches from the point Antonio joins the Bucks on. Who was that guy's name? Scotty Miller. <laughs> yes, little Scotty Miller. And you bet me that somehow they were going to, that, that little Scotty Miller would have more catches than Antonio Brown. Yeah, rough start. Even money. A lot of people are saying, what were the odds? What were the odds? Explain how that's going. So Scotty got one catch, four yards. AB, he had a pretty good day. So seven catches for 69. So I'm 65 yards behind. I'm not even sure well, well, Scotty Miller. Doing, we're doing catches, not yards. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not even so sure. So why are you talking yards? I'm not even sure Scotty. confused today. I'm not even sure Scotty Miller is going to get six more catches the rest of the year, the way things are going. He had, he, he had one. Um, what's that called when, when they say how many times they get thrown towards? Targets. Yeah, he had one target. He caught, he's one for one, baby. Good, good hands. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating about, about Tampa Bay is the fact that, the, you know, there's been a lot of talk about spreading the ball around, right? Is the idea about, you know, who's going to get enough? Is if you look at it, Gronk had the longest reception. And then every, amongst the other key players, one had the most targets, one had the most catches, and one had the most yards. So literally, of the four guy mouths that need to be fed, as they say, all four got one of the gold stars. Brady not only won the game, but spread the ball around exceptionally well. Yeah, and I know Brady completed 11 passes the week before against Tampa just in the, at the start of the second quarter. Just amazing. Okay. Last thing, and then we'll get to Monday Night Football. The amazing ending of these games. I mean, just an amazing ending. And the Arizona 
was shockingly exciting, play of the year. But you could make the case, if you're a batter, you don't care. You don't care because the line was two and a half. It went up to three in some spots, and Arizona did not kick the extra point. Now, the rationale is good for football. There's a chance there could have been a block. The game was pretty much over. They still had to kick off, but the field goal was never going to be the issue because there there's no way on the kickoff it could have been long enough if they don't score a touchdown to ever kick a field goal. So, to me, it was smart football not to kick the extra point. Do you agree with that? Yes, because really the only way you don't win the game is to get that extra point blocked. Yes. But we bet it on the Super Contest at minus one and a half, and we won. So, when we keep preaching half points, don't think that we're like your mom telling you to eat your vegetables. This is vital, these half points. Now, by the way, I promised this. There was another game that we pushed. Most people lost. Fez lost it. And here is the sound from his own mansion during the end of the Browns game. This is so fascinating. A little insight into Steve Fezzik. 50, 40, he'll be arriving in the end zone. Right. Oh, he stepped out of bounds at the one. This way, they're not even going to give them the ball at the one-yard line. Jeez. Steve, seriously? It's one thing to throw your remote control into the wall. It's another thing to throw it directly into the TV. But if you had bet early, it didn't matter. And we had the Browns minus three. So I guess it mattered. It was a push. But, man, another good football play, though. All right, Monday Night Football, Jonas. Yeah, RJ, and they're kicking off a little over an hour from now. It is the Vikings at the Bears. Monday Night Football right now on pregame.com. Minnesota is a three-point favorite. All right, Fez, you, now here's the thing. In the Super Contest, we actually played Minnesota minus two and a half because the line was moving up. Now that it's up to three and a half in some spots, and this is all about the number, you actually like the, the Bears. Yeah, it's all about the line value on the Bears, and Minnesota has gotten super expensive. Think about just last week. Minnesota was minus three and a half hosting Detroit. That means the way they were valuing it, Minnesota was perceived to be only two points better than Detroit. Now, with this line, they're valuing like Minnesota's five better than Chicago. And I think Chicago's better than Detroit. Yes! So, so there's a huge point spread tax on Minnesota too much. I'm taking the Bears. Alright, so this is a pick. Yes. Okay. Now here's what I would say. I don't. I am in between. I think your analysis is exactly correct. And also, in addition to that, here's the Kirk Cousins stats. He's 0 for 9 against the spread and straight up on Monday Night Football. But even more so, when it's a one o'clock Eastern start, 64 percent for Kirk Cousins. That's amazing against the spread. When it's not any other time, 34 percent. That is hard, hard, hard to want to bet on Kirk Cousins, but Minnesota's played exceptionally well the last month. I don't want to play against them. I'm passing. Super contest, we have Chicago minus two and a half. You've got Minnesota, or in this case, we have Minnesota minus two and a half. You've got Chicago with all the points.